your Bible along, I invite you to turn over to Philippians chapter 1 this morning. We'll be reading from the first 11 verses of chapter 1 as we look at partners and the idea that we're in this together. Philippians chapter 1, Paul writes, starting there in verse number 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all. Because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace. Both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Father, it is to the glory and praise of you that you sent the Son, the living Lord Jesus, to the earth. And he walked the earth always seeking to do your will. That he loved with a love that no man had ever seen. He showed compassion on people in a way that they had never experienced. He walked in Humility. He walked in love. He walked in perfect obedience. And he walked obediently to his death on a cross so that we might have life. And in that wonderful name of Jesus, we gather together this morning with the presence of his spirit that we promised. We cooperate together. We partner together. We fellowship together around your word this morning. And we say, God of heaven, teach us this morning. Descend upon us with your spirit and speak to us by your word because we need to hear from you. And that the words that we hear would not just be the words of man, but they would be your words through me. And it would be for our benefit and for your glory. And we pray that in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Partners, we're in this together. Have you ever been in one of those experiences where it's not really that great, it's kind of a challenge, but at least you're not alone? And you have those moments when you look, it's like, well, at least we're together, because it would be really stinky to be alone. We may not have a lot of anything else, but we have each other. And I was thinking about some of the great duos from just years past. And y'all can fill in the blanks. When I say Batman, who do you think of? Robin. When, it, when I say the Lone Ranger, who do you think of? Tonto. When I say Bert, who do you think of? Ernie, right? 
And when you think of Paul, the list just goes on and on. You could put Barnabas, you could put Silas, you could put Timothy, you could put Titus, you could put the, the church in Corinth, the church in Philippi, the church in Ephesus. You could go on and on and on about all of these people that partnered with Paul in ministry. The situations were tough. You can imagine Paul and Silas, while they're praising God, they're like, well, this isn't great, but hey, at least we're together. And they kept on praising God. You can imagine that during all of those afflictions, during all of those hard times, always seeking to do the Father's will, always seeking to make sure that the good news about salvation through Jesus Christ was being proclaimed, Paul was not alone. And here he's in prison, but he's not alone. He has brothers and sisters that are faithfully praying for him, praying for his provision, praying for his release. And then most importantly, to the praise and the glory of God, praying that the good news, the gospel would be advanced even while Paul is in prison. And he writes this letter and he begins with grace and peace. And I begin this morning just to speak to you the grace and peace of the Lord as a blessing upon you to say welcome back. It was a great week in Honduras. I'm trusting you had a great week here at Cross Timber with Tim bringing the word. And I thank him and grace and peace to you. Those things that can only come from the living Lord Jesus, his abiding presence in us. And in his grace and peace, we meet together and praise God for that. Paul begins with that and he moves very quickly to this thanksgiving. And he says, when I thank God for you, I remember you. And when I remember you, I thank God for you. And in essence, what he's saying is you Philippians are always on my mind. And it's so right for me to think this away about you. And I hold you so dear and so close in my heart that I can't help but thank God for you when I remember you. And when I remember you, I can't help thanking God for you. And all of this is intertwined in this attitude of prayer. So Paul is saying, every time I think about you, I'm praying for you. And every time I pray for you, trust me, I'm thinking about you. And I do it often. Because remember, I'm in prison and I've got a lot of time on my hands and I'm praying for you guys because you are out there and you're still involved in the work. So when I think about you, I just can't help pray, praise God for you and pray for you because you are partners in the work of the gospel. That word partners, you're, you're a helper, you're a coworker, you're a participant, you're a teammate. And that word really means participation with. And he explains it a little more. He says, you're partakers with me of, of grace. That by faith in Jesus that you share in this grace. In chapter 2 he says, you've participated or partnered or koinoniaed with the Spirit. That you're joined in the Spirit. And so we share some things in common. We share a common link to Jesus by faith. We share a common presence of his spirit in us. We share fellowship together because of those two things. And then we also share in the work that there is to do. Because while the Philippians were there in that city, they were speaking about the good news. They were doing it there when they met together, when they fellowshiped. They were doing it when they went out into the town. They were speaking about this good news, this proclamation that Jesus brought salvation through his death, burial, and resurrection. And that there was a new way to live, a life full of purpose, a life that is abundant, a life that is real. And they spoke that word. 
But they didn't just speak the words, they lived them out by the actions of their life through very practical means, by showing the love of Jesus, by by serving the poor, by helping those in need, by showing love to one another, by spreading the word, and by giving very generously to God's work in other places. They spoke, they lived it, and then because they had received this good news in their own life, they stood with their brother Paul in the midst of his sufferings. They didn't forget about it. They didn't write him off, but they continually prayed for him over and over again. And in the same way, we have the opportunity to stand by those in hard places, people in our own neighborhoods, people that are dealing with very real problems that are in hard places, people that are in hard places around the world. I was reading some some things about God's work in in, in Turkey, and you've seen that, you know, because there's been a man that's been in, in prison, and that's one of those hard places. In China, it's one of those hard places. Honduras is one of those hard places. But in the pressure and the oppression of those hard places, you know what's happening? God's work is blossoming. It is blooming, and it is beautiful. I can't tell you the number of different flowers that you find just growing on the side of these roads in Honduras, but there's every color, or there's, there's every shade, and they just seem to spring up out of nowhere. It's such a fertile place that there's a, there's a, a tree that they cut fence posts from. And they cut these fence posts, and they plant them in a straight row, and the ground is so fertile that those fence posts blossom and bloom. The trees grow out of a fence posts. And I think that is just a beginning symbol. It's a sign of the work that God is beginning to do in the hearts and the people there in in Honduras and in the place we go in that small little village of Cacao. While Pastor Geronimo and his church gathers together, God is beginning to do a work. Things are beginning to blossom and things are beginning to grow. And I shared with them that we are praying for them. And Pastor Geronimo said that they're praying for us. You see, they're in a, in a context where they have probably, any, probably they have over 100, 120, and 90% of those are children. And most of those adults that are there are mothers or grandmothers. And we sat there during vacation Bible school, and the men that kind of hung around were standing across the road behind a barbed wire fence. They were interested, but they weren't involved. But praise God, they were there close enough. And so we prayed for them and I asked them to pray for us that, that God would give us a singular focus in the same direction that they have. You see, they have their plan. It's to reach the, the children there in the village so a generation would be raised up that would, that would praise God and would lead others to Christ. And I said, Pastor, pray for us also. And he said that we, he would and I agreed that we would pray for them as well. And so we stand with them in the midst of their sufferings. They stand with us in the midst of our sufferings that we don't see as sufferings. Um, and then we pray for one another. But Paul also thanks them for, talks about this good work that's going on because God has a work that he started and God always finishes what he starts. Do you believe that? God is doing a good work and he always finishes what he starts. Now he may shape us and mold us and bend us and break us in the midst of that but it's a good work have you ever watched those cartoons and you know the cartoon you know character is like you can't you know they're they're sucked through like a tube and then a smaller tube and then all these different things and you, and you can't believe that the animal you know that this you know character is is move through all those different things sometimes it feels like that in our life the pressure and the pain is so 
is so intense and so deep and we think, gosh, can anything in this be good? Because God, it sure doesn't feel good right now. And it doesn't look good. And it brings us to the very foundations of our lives where we have to be able to say, God is good. And God is good and he always does good. That's what his word tells us, that God is good. He always does good and God's work in us is good. Even when we can't see any good. Even when we don't think it's good. Even when we don't feel any good. His work is good. And he'll bring it to the finish, to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Because God always finishes what he starts. And the work that he started in us, even though hopefully it's progressing, won't be complete until Jesus returns. But it's a good work. Because it's a good God. In verses 9 through 11, Paul starts to express his prayer for them. He says, for it is my prayer. And he says, I'm praying that your love would overflow. Your love would abound. It would spill over. It would pour out in great measure as God pours his love into you by the Holy Spirit. That it would outflow and overflow to the people around you. And may that be so for us. Because we're not very lovable on our own. We can be nice sometimes. We can be cheerful at other times. But to truly love the unlovable and to continually love in the way that the Father wants us to love, we need the constant inflow of His love to the point of overflowing by His Spirit so that when we love, we're loving In the name of Jesus. And then he says, keep growing in your faith. He's speaking about their their personal walk with Jesus. He says, while you're part of a group, you're partners, you're still individuals. And each one depends on the other. There'll be times when someone will need to lean on you. And there'll be times when you need to lean on someone else. So there is a great necessity that each one of us watch our personal walk carefully. And in the Philippians, in this book of Philippians, you see really three themes. One of humility or selflessness that's rooted in the gospel that we humble ourselves like Jesus did. Where we say it's not about me, but it's about God and others for his glory. It's about doing the hard work of ministry for God's sake. It's about denying yourself and saying, God, it's not about me. It's about you and being willing to do the hard things that God asks us to for his glory. And all of that is underpinned or held up by a joy that endures because it's a joy in the Lord. And it's a joy that that overcomes. It's a joy that takes a, a person that says, you know, I really don't want to do this. I really feel like I can't do this and turns that person into I can do this because God will help me and I can do it joyfully because it's not for me but it's for the glory of the Lord because we're battling enemies you know pastors and and churches battle enemies and this is not an exhaustive list but I wrote down three things we constantly battle sin in our life we constantly battle those things in our life that hold us back those sins we constantly battle discouragement I wish things were different. Oh, I wish we had more. 
oh man, that didn't really turn out like I thought it would. And we also deal to some measure with hopelessness. And that's just the, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And we all battle those things. Pastors, churches, and everyone else battle those things. We constantly battle sin. We battle being discouraged. And we battle being hopeless. But there is a cure. There's an antidote. And what is it? It's the truth of the good news of the gospel. That all of those needs, all of those wants can be filled with the person of Jesus Christ. And here's the truth that we need to remember and need to proclaim. That if we have Jesus... We have everything. Let me say that again. If we have Jesus, we have everything. Amen? That's why Paul says through Jesus in verse 11, that through his spirit in us, his love in us, his power in us, his work in us, we have everything we need. It's through Jesus. And if our growth in faith is founded on what Jesus has done, on what he's doing right now and what he will do, it will be real growth. And that real growth, Paul expresses it as the fruit of righteousness. We read Galatians chapter 5, we know that by the presence of the Spirit, we have the fruit of the Spirit in us. And we know what those are. That's love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control it's the reality of the promise of jesus in john 14 15 and on following you know i won't leave you as orphans i will come to you i will send you a helper and the presence of the helper manifests or creates those things in us that while we're not lovable and we're not joyful and we're not peaceful and all those other things at many times but by god and his spirit that work is done in us And his presence is made real so others can see that there's a difference in our lives. And over time, there's an increasing likeness to Jesus in our lives where we can say, I look more and more like Jesus as I grow in Jesus. The more I grow, the more I look like Jesus. And the more I look like Jesus, the more I'm I'm pleasing to the Father and I'm Growing and walking in godliness. And this fruit of Jesus in us, this fruit of righteousness, results ultimately in praise and glory to God. And you read all through the Old Testament, you read through the New Testament that this, that God is working in this story of Scripture to gather together a group of people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue to do what? To gather around His throne and to be group of lifelong worshipers that join along with those that are already praising his name. Think of somebody right now that you know that doesn't know Jesus. And just quietly there where you are, say, God, help me do what you would have me do in the power that you give me to do all that I can without any excuses that that person will join me in praising God around the throne. Now do this. Pick a continent. I don't care what continent you pick. And pick a 
pick a country on that continent and say, God, there is a person right now that has a different skin color than me, that speaks a different language than me, that grew up in a different culture than me. I don't even know their name, but it doesn't matter. But I'm praying for them right now that you would bring that brother or sister to the point where they would gather around that throne with me to the glory and praise of God. And we need to pray that often. We need to think that way often because the days are short. The time of his return is coming near. And in this day of, of patient, while, patience while he is waiting, it means salvation. And that it would be to the glory and praise of God. Now I want to give you three P's to apply. Where does this start? How does it even start to be a partner with each other here and with another church, even in another land or another country? It starts with a personal walk. That's your first P, personal walk. And that personal walk is built on the foundation of if we have Jesus, we have everything. But that statement begs the question, do we really want Jesus do we really want him will we leave our nets and everything and follow him will we count all as loss or rubbish for the sake of Christ will we deny ourselves take up our cross daily and follow him are we serious Are we ready to keep his commandments, to humbly serve, not seeking recognition or our own glory? And are we ready to graciously love others? Do we really want Jesus? Or do we want church and just to feel good? Second P is powerful Prayers. Prayer is our main line of communication with the Father. It's what the gift He has given us. I mean, think about how awesome it is that you and I, here in Burleson, Texas, can communicate any time of day with the God who created the entire universe that brought everything into being by merely just speaking. It has the ability to rise up or cast down any nation, any king, any person. But yet at all the times, he never sleeps and he never slumbers. He's always ready to hear you. He knows you by name. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows what you need even before you ask him. Siri can't do that. Google can't do that. What if we began to lift our questions and our problems To the Father, before we ask Google, before we ask Siri, or Alexa, or the wisdom of men. It's the most powerful way we can partner in God's work. It's the most powerful way that you and I can reach the depths of the continents of the earth where there are men and women that right now don't even have the Bible in their language. It's through prayer. That involves sitting and listening to God. Just being quiet and saying, God, here I am. It's your time. What do you want to say to me? It involves not just asking God for for what you need, 
but asking God for great things. See, I think sometimes I get so caught up in my, my prayer life of praying for the immediate things around us and the, and the needs that I forget that God is an amazing God who created everything. And, and, I, and I lose track of asking God for great things. Join me in asking God for great things. And let's just see what God will do. And then just a reminder that while we're praying, we need to remember that that many times, because God is so good and so gracious in this way, that those things we're praying for, He lets us be a part of the answer. So be willing. If you're praying for someone... Praying for, for financial needs, praying for, for physical needs, praying for, for encouragement, praying that, that God would, would strengthen them in their faith. Just realize that God may be wanting to use you to be part of that answer. So personal walk, powerful prayers, and thirdly, partners. Partners are individuals that work together to accomplish things that one person should not and could not do alone. Let me say that again. Partners are individuals working together that accomplish things that one person should not and cannot do alone. It would be absolutely ludicrous when the Olympics rolled around and in the pairs figure skating for one man to skate out there by himself. Because you know what? It's a pairs competition. It would be silly. They would say, well, where's the lady? He's like, no, I'm here. I've got it. I can do it. Now, he could go around and he could skate elegantly around the whole ice. He could do all the maneuvers and everything. But what? He was meant to have a, a partner with him, right? See, God never intended us to do our work alone. We could do what we think is the very best. We could speak very eloquently. We could come up with great ideas and great plans. But God doesn't intend us to work alone. Because those things lead to discouragement. They lead to, to burnout. But he wants us to work alongside others here in our church, here in our community and other places around the world. If you get to chapter two in Philippians in the first verse, Paul says, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love and any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind. Having the same love and being in full accord and of one mind paraphrase grab the focus of the advancement of the gospel and in this power of the spirit join together and work together to accomplish it because we need each other we need other churches because there's a world that needs to know jesus that he loves them he died for them and he wants to give them eternal life What does that require? Selfless, joyful, hard work in the name of the Lord Jesus. Working together as partners to the praise of his glorious grace. Will you pray with me? Father in in heaven, we we are thankful for the joy that is unspeakable. That we have the privilege of experiencing just through knowing you. 
And that that joy is abiding, it is everlasting. And as we look around and we see the work that there is to do, we thank you that you didn't intend us to do it alone. But you put men and women, other churches around us to be our partners. I'm thankful for the the partners we have in Pastor Geronimo and, and, and his wife Swanee and in their church in Cacao. I thank you that they're praying for us and I thank you that we can pray for them. I thank you for the partners that we have here in this room and the brothers and sisters in Christ. And I thank you that your desire is to bring more and more partners, co-workers into this work. And when they're confronted with this question, do you really want Jesus? That as you speak and work in their heart, that their answer would be yes. Yes, I do. I'm willing to lay down everything. I'm willing to sell all the things that are holding me back, to lay them away, to put them aside, because I want you. And Lord, that's a cry of faith. And Lord, it's very simply by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that we turn from everything else and we turn to you and say, God, I need you. That we are entered into your kingdom, that we become full heirs to all of your promises and we can become partners in this glorious work of advancing the good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for what this word is is doing in us to begin to stir us and to cause us to, to look up and to look out around us. Help us to work on our personal walk. Help us to, to pray powerfully and effectively. And help us to be good partners for your work around the world. And I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. As we get ready to...